Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start-to-finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for. Plus, you, dear listener, get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 at the checkout on isotope.com. From the creative spark to the final touch, their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need, which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins. The music production suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive. And as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. Welcome, dear listener, to the Guitar Nerds Gear of the Year 2022, episode three. Episode three, we've done two episodes. If you've, if this is the first one you're tuning into, go back. We've done best guitar. We've done best amplifier stroke modeler. This is best effects pedals. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. Philip Carter. Hola. And Blake Wyland. Where am I? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the question I ask but, uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Where am I? And why? What How did I? I get here? Yeah. Well, why am well, I? Mm-hmm. Well, you're all here on the Gear of the Year podcast. That's where you are. Dear listener, welcome back. Welcome back. You've been through us, through all the arguing over 
the best amplifiers and the best guitars, which I won't say what they are because, you know, just in case anyone's listening in the wrong order. But today How we're dare gonna, you? Yeah, how dare you? Ridiculous. But today we're going to deal with stomp boxes. Best stomp box of 2022. Of course, the list is massive, much larger than guitars, substantially larger than amplifiers. Uh, we narrowed it down to 32 um, <laughs> shortlisted, <laughs> shortlisted pedals, and then we've each, as before, everyone's chosen two or three, or in Philip's case, five. I, I'm uh, only going to say three. I just haven't made a decision yet. <laughs> I see. I see. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I have as well, actually. To be fair. Oh yes, um, you've got five as well, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I've got okay. way more than what I listed. I just, I just had to make some hard cuts at some point. I, I've only got two. I've only got two you, because you know, I'm you leaving. Said- you said 32 pedals, but technically, like, two or three of these entries are a line of pedals. Yeah, a whole so- range of <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. Okay, so, uh, dear listener, uh, I'll let you know what the list is so you can hear what our, our points <coughs> of consideration are. Quite a few pedals in the listener's choice, which we'll be dealing with in the next episode, the, uh, the final, when we decide best overall product. Um, so let's see if we've ended up with some similar products to the listeners there. This is a short list. The Line 6 DL4 Mark II. Oh, what a product. And hilarious that it's come out the same year as the Boss RE202 Space Echo and, of course, the Boss RE2. Both of same those Same week? Are... Yeah, came out the same week. My, my, <laughs> favorite, my favorite meme was like, cause I think there was like a Behringer delay pedal or something came out and it was like that meme of like, three people in a church and it's like someone holding one pedal and then yeah. it's like line six behind with like a sniper rifle <laughs> and it's like us in the back with like an even bigger sniper rifle I'm just like you have no idea what's coming um, it's always yeah. it's always brilliant working for a brand seeing another brand launch a very similar product or another product uh, very close because you're like oh okay it seems talking it seems to happen more than people would expect i remember when wampler launched the metaverse now i'm not i'm not as tied into that company as people assume i don't i don't usually know excuse me excuse me that much ahead of time what they're doing uh and brian launched the metaverse and then like i think keely launched the uh andy timmons echo at the same time and Somebody else did a delay at the same time. I don't remember what happened exactly. And Brian was like, are there any other delay pedals coming out, Blake, that I need to know about before? I'm like, hey, you don't pay me. Like, I'm not. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, there been there are a lot of boss pedals on this list to consider. Four, I think, in total. Because the, the boss slicer, the SL2, that's come out and that's got in the list. The boss uh, DS1W, that's made it into the list as well as the RE202 and the RE2. A couple of offerings from MXR. They've got the Poly Blue Octave, which is a really great pedal for something that I I don't think it's going to make it into the top list for anyone because it's, I guess it's, you know, it's relatively standard, but it's a very, very good example of that type of effect. And MXR do octaves very well. And um, they just released that new Jack White dual uh, yes, pedal that yeah. was before we were compiling, or after we compiled all this. Which yes, so they, yeah, I mean, really well, honourable mention to that. I don't think it's, you know, a microamp with two inputs is ever going to get into the list, but the microamp is a fantastic pedal. Um, and the Duke of Tone, which I think we'll obviously all be talking about as our listeners were. That's the other MXR pedal that's made it into. Very exciting. Uh, Walrus Audio's Slotfa, the multi-texture reverb, Death by Audio's Space Bender. 
um, uh, Source Audio, they've got their Zio and their Law, uh, Soldano Slow, um, the Wampla Moxie, the Gibson Maestro pedals. They expanded that range this year. How wonderful to have Maestro back. That's very cool. Yeah, KMA, I, I know KMA are kind of my thing, guys. Uh, you know, so this is in the same way that Matt always brings boss to the table. I'm bringing the boss, the the, the boss. I'm bringing the KMA Chief Disruptor, which is their big muff. It's very good. Um, there's that weird Meris delay. What is it called? The L. The LVX. L- the LVX. Yeah, everyone's Ooh. getting very excited about that. That's this year's contribution to ludicrously expensive delay or reverb pedals um there's the thorpey amp emulator the scarlet tunic uh which i was trying to get into the amp category uh yesterday the pigtronics gloma that was extremely cool um there's the big muff hardware plugin which is uh, which is rather cool um the complete range of prs pedals including the very poorly named horse meat um, the victory, <laughs> victory and Thorpey teaming up for the V1 pedals. V4 did very well for us in the in the amp categories. So yeah. you know V1. This is a preamp version of that. Very cool. Thorpey's design work on victory pedals. They're very good. Cool. They they're are very, very good. good. I mean, I essentially feel like they're just they're as good as Thorpey pedals, but they just don't look as good because they're not in <laughs> Thorpey chassis. And I really don't like the weird victory sort of. Um, uh, uh, I was going to say cyberpunk. That's not what I mean. What do I mean? Uh, steampunk yes. sort of thing. It's, I, I don't like that. But anyway, they're, they're excellent pedals. Um, Catlin Bread, they released their one knob series of pedals. <laughs> Super 80s looking those. They yeah. kind of look like wrapping paper from the I, 80s. They look like a trapper keeper I had. <laughs> yes, there you go. But Catlin Bread, fantastic company. Even died. The H90, come on, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. The H9 was like the biggest thing to ever happen. And this is an expansion on that. Orange have released a new range. I love these. I got all three. I got the phaser. I got the compressor, which they call a sustainer, and uh, the distortion. They are amazing. Big boxes made proper old school it's proper old school effects get rid of all this ridiculous modern stuff i want old school effects with one control yes um the uh the uh, uh it should be decibelics decibelics yeah yeah i've realized i've put delibelics but it should have been decibelics (laughs) yes the uh the decibelics uh reverend uh which i think you got matt and the dan coggins cogmeister that's a big deal and um the mr black Oro. Oro? Oro. 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 It's like Zorro, but ah, without the right. Z. I see. I see. That is the list of pedals. There's a lot of them. There's a lot more there. Things that didn't quite make the short list that maybe should have. I just realized the old blood noise endeavors, their reverse oh. pedal that they did. Oh, that oh, thing's no. so cool. It's oh. so good. It's so good. I, maybe maybe that would be my third one now. <laughs> mm. Seeing I was, I was like, nothing's really got me. Maybe that would be it. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so that's the short list, dear listener. Wonderful range of effects pedals, as always. Some cool retro stuff, some big hits in the expansive time-based pedals some great overdrives let's see what everyone thought we'll start in the order that we have been doing before matt then philip then blake we're each going to introduce something that we're representing and then we'll argue about it at the end matt knight won't you start us off oh dear um you're going down that list i'm like mate have i made the right choices i don't know it's very very difficult Um, I think there's one obvious thing that you're going to have to switch over to later. Yeah, I think, and it's always a tricky one for me because obviously we've had a lot of pedals and I don't want to be the 
corporate shill once it once again for this uh for this so i i kind of put a few down i i think there's a couple that i i also started to think about what criteria i think about for best pedal because i also think about its impact uh like we we spoke about i think with the deco in a previous episode um but i do want to give a couple of shout outs to uh dan coggins for the cogmeister and uh the guys at decibelix for the reverend the the reverend being a um a kind of one-to-one replica of the um expandora um and it's an awesome pedal and it's got a bunch of cool stuff in it and it's you know they made a special pink one for me so of course uh you know holds a place dear to my heart but i think the I don't think either of those really feel like the best pedals of this year. I mean, the Cogmeister is amazing, but it's three classic designs in one box. It's not reinventing or doing anything. So I tried to pick things that perhaps have more impact into the market. I mean, just saying that sentence, I realised the three or potentially four things that I've put down aren't reinventing anything. Um, You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So I guess I'll start with, yeah, the most outrageous one. And I picked this one for a couple of reasons because actually me and Joe spoke about this product at length in some of the regular episodes. Matt, what you're going to talk about is a product that you didn't even like. And and I think, but I want to talk about it because one, I didn't like it, but two, uh, it was the biggest selling uh, true, pedal true. On, yeah, reverb. on reverb. Yeah. And we did look through the, oh, second biggest. No, T- tell biggest, people what it is. Tell people what it is. It is the Chase Bliss Habit biggest selling pedal on reverb that was launched this year um it's basically two delay pedals in one box i think it's the easiest way to understand it one really long delay pedal and then one delay pedal synced to the really long delay pedal but in between that you can it will record up to three minutes of audio and you can randomly have that audio play back at you 
And I just think the reason I picked this is that it does something. It takes. I, I don't think there's any new effects out there. We kind of you've got your phases and your flans. And you could, there's like no one's invented like a new effect. It's a mishmash of lots of different things. Create X. Mm-hmm. Right. So a delay pedal is not a new thing. But I think what they've done is they've taken it in a direction that everyone's not really thought about in terms of like the kind of randomness of it or the controllability of potential chaos within that pedal. And I think a lot of people bought it because it's yeah, there's a lot of, you know, fans of Chase Bliss that buy absolutely everything that Chase Bliss make. But I think that this product in particular can unlock creativity for a wider range of musicians, not just guitar players. You know, a lot of guitar players you look at and go, yeah, it's great for guitar players or, you know, maybe bass players. But this feels like this is a studio tool in a tiny box that you could plug in and run anything through it and magic could just come out of it. A bunch of garbage could also come out of it, as I found several times. Yeah, well, me too. I like what you're saying, though. You're sort of convincing me here with the habit. It's... It's important. It's something that's tried something different and, and, and it should be included potentially because just because it's doing that, because it's not just a, a reissue of something that's come before and, you know, we've got that for this year. This is a cool I new think, groundbreaking um, thing. You, you, you might have me there. I think, you know, you could say like the microcosm, for example, oh, it's got all these great algorithms in it. It's like, yeah, but those algorithms aren't new effects. They're just a delay and a reverb and delays doing this. And, you know, you could say that about basically everything. Um, but what I like about the habit is that they've taken an idea and run with it and then gone, how do we potentially, like, this can be ultra chaotic, but also you can, it's like a mini recorder in a box that you can basically create a whole song out of. And I think one of the great things I loved was... um Scott from Nobs did a video which is like how to create a song in 12 minutes. Right. And it was like, you've got three minutes of audio, so do this and then do this. And you can basically make a whole song. So how you can basically have this is almost like a multi-track recorder. Um, and I just think it unlocks a potential, a lot of creativity. It gets people thinking in different ways. Okay. okay. Yeah, so. it's definitely, this is, that was good. Good talk. I, I'm, I'm kind of convinced this is definitely an important new groundbreaking guitar. Philip. Where you oh, are? You've expanded so your hard. shortlist, dear listener. We've got like a a shared Google document in front of us, which has about <laughs> like four lines for us to add possible things. And Philip's taken up like half the page with additional <laughs> pedals. On I can't list. decide. Oh, <laughs> this is such a problem. There's so well, many good pedals that were released this year. All right, I'm gonna be the shill. Then I'm gonna be the one that goes here instead of instead of Matt having to do it because uh, the one I'm 100 sure about this one, the Boss R. 202 yeah and specifically yeah. specifically the 202 the two is great but the 202 takes the takes the re20 that was so loved that was on so many pedal boards in so many studios because we can't all afford a you know re201 or the, the space echo the 202 gives it back to us modern modernized all the extra features we wanted in it um, but I, I even love the housing, the fact that it's kind of a kidney bean. It's sort of a hats off yeah. to the original boss pedal. There's so much to this. I, I am such a fan. Uh, when it was uh, no disrespect to Line 6, um, I think the, the, I, 
the new Line 6 DL4 is great. And of course, they were released the same week, so they're going to be compared to each other because you can't help it. It's similar things. Like, it does everything. The boss, the RE202, does this thing. And it does it very, very, very well. I, I, it's really hard for me to find a fault in it. Uh, yeah. It's not even, and, and I know this is going to sound wild, y'all, and I get a lot of people calling me, you know, I, I know, I know, I, I like expensive things. It's really not that expensive for what it is. It's, How much is the 202? It's right now on sale at Sweetwater for three seventy nine. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot of pedal. That's for a three... lot of pedal for three seventy nine. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, I don't know how you argue with it. I think it was, it's, yes, it's remaking something that already exists, but it's bringing it forward. And I think it's making it perfect for a new audience. It's a pedal. It's not just for guitar players, synth players, uh, whatever you want to put into this thing. It's going to sound great. I could see people using it as outboard gear in a studio setup. I, I don't have a fault. Well, for yeah, it. didn't, didn't famously, um, uh, didn't Tom York uh, always have one running yeah. at the out, out of the desk at the end of his vocal chain? I um, I saw Radiohead in a rehearsal once before they went out on tour, and their mixing desk had like three RE twenties on it. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, uh, yeah, uh, Johnny Greenwood still got one on his pedal board. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's I think interesting as well. There's not too many other companies out there making a RE two hundred one. Like lots of people do a tape echo and they do an Echoplex or they do a this or they do a that, but not many people have actually done two hundred one. I think it's just mm-hmm. quite interesting. But it, quite honestly, when we were having conversations, we were like, "Oh, the two will be the most popular." Of course, people love the two hundred two hundred two. But well, that's uh, that's because for years people have been making mock-up images of the yes. RE pedal yeah. in a single foot switch in a single pedal. You gave that to them, and everyone preferred the two hundred two. I know. <laughs> well, also, uh, just and and this is minor. This is such a minor thing, but I'm going to mention it. Thank you for using the mini MIDI plug. Oh yeah, builders, Absolutely. please start using it, please. It uh, makes a big difference. Yes. The, the only problem I have with it is because Boss are the only people pretty much using it is that I have to get a lot of MIDI jack to uh, to, to MIDI 8-pin. Yeah. Eight, eight I, I <laughs> believe fine. the aforementioned Wampler uses it as well. <laughs> ah, yes, there you go. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the great thing. And uh, obviously that pedal holds a close place in my heart because I uh, came up with or helped come up with the final name. Uh, of the coding, it was going to be something different. I was like, why don't we just call it 202? And they were like, oh, that's a good idea. And I was like, no, <laughs> well, there you go. I got no commission for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's the, the RE202. Now, worth noting um, that just because I could, I'm trying to keep this episode on time uh, today, everyone. So worth noting that both me and Blake were also going to mention the RE202. So this is a strong performance from that sort of straight off of the bat. And I know, dear listener, you you all felt strongly about the RE202, very strongly, in fact, yeah. about the RE202 in the listener polls. So a great, um, a, a really great product from Boss. Blake, what have you got for us? Yeah, since you already mentioned that, I'll just touch on that real brief. Uh, the 202 is phenomenal. I was excited about it the, uh, the moment it dropped. Again, I tried to keep my my picks to things that I have personal experience with and I'm playing the boss 202 just 
put a big idiotic grin on my face the whole time. <laughs> I really, really, really loved it. Uh, I definitely plan on picking one up to live here in the shed, but I, I really think that's a very strong contend- contender for gear of the year. Uh, I'm going to be my own sort of shill. I do some work with Mr. Black occasionally. In fact, I have poked the holes in this pedal that I'm about to mention. I do machining there a couple times a month usually. Um, This pedal, I was not initially that excited about when Jack told me about it. And then he had me play some prototypes and make some tweaks. And once the final version came through... I just, I can't stop playing it. So I'm going to submit the Mr. Black Oro, which I didn't expect to do. Uh, I, I'm like, three knob overdrive, huh? Really, Like That's the best we can do? Like, okay. <laughs> but it, uh, it just, it sounds so good. And the story behind it's kind of cool. So way back in the day, Jack's got a long story in this business, but he... He did work for Catlin Bread. He's done all kinds of different things for different companies over the years. But back in the day, he basically had this Oro design and the Supermoon. He had them at the same time. And he decided to launch the Supermoon, which really got the company off the ground and was probably, ultimately, the right move. But the Oro kind of went just back in the uh, in the archives. It just sat back there. He designed it in, like, 2011. And it was designed to be... It's. It's not a blues breaker topology at all. It's actually completely different. But the sound and feel was designed to be sort of a blues breaker type of thing. Ooh, and, very cool. Yeah, and it's it's incredible. Like I couldn't believe how good it sounded. It, it no matter where I put it, it just worked so nicely for everything. Uh, goosing high gain amps, playing into a clean amp as your standard like drive tone. I just. I was like, you know, I sometimes, I sometimes, you know, I, I know Jack so well. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't know, dude, you, you're, you're trying to tell me something. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. And then I go in and I plug it in and it's just like, wow, this pedal is ridiculously good. Uh, and what? it was, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Cause I didn't even know he was just sitting on that design for all these years. So I, I just really like this thing a lot. Very I can't cool. stop playing it. I don't think a drive pedal needs a bunch of controls. It just needs to be well-voiced in the first place. So I don't need to do a lot to it to make it sound good. And it sounds like this is exactly that. I'm a big fan of a blues breaker as well. So this is a very cool product. So recently, Guitar Nerd switched to using Lewitt microphones, specifically the LCT440 condenser mic. Now, this mic is super affordable and very versatile. It's what I'm using right now. In fact, there are a bunch of videos from independent studio engineers with way more audio know-how than me comparing the LCT440 to mics three times its value and it absolutely holding up. Plus, this mic is as good for instrument capture as it is for podcasting, as it is for vocals, which is great because I don't like messing around with mics and I can literally use this for everything. The proof is in the pudding though so here is my Tweed Blues Junior recorded at a reasonable room volume using nothing but the Lewitt LCT440. Nothing has been added in post, no compressors or EQs. This is exactly how the Lewitt LCT440 captures the sound of Fender's greatest amplifier.
me sounds absolutely pucker. The 440 captures all of the depth and the character of the Blues Junior, and all I had to do was move it over the other side of the office and pop it in front of the amp. So if you're doing anything with home studio vibes, I strongly recommend this wonderful and affordable microphone. Check it out at lewitt-audio.com. Yes, yeah, super cool. Okay, so that's the Mr. Black Oro. That brings it round. That brings it round to me. Okay, fine, fine, right. Well, um, okay, so the product I'm going to bring to the table is the KMA Chief Disruptor, um, aforementioned. Okay, so this is this is KMA making a big muff, and there are it's lots gorgeous. of gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. I love the it. Graphics, the graphics that KMA get done are fantastic. This pedal looks especially super cool. I really love it, but. The great thing about Enrico, who designs all the KMA pedals, is he really kind of takes things apart and really tries to think about how people are actually going to use them, how it's going to be applicable, what controls would people want, not, you know, he doesn't look back at things like that, he looks forward, but he only likes vintage-sounding stuff, so he tries to make old stuff more user-friendly, it's, it's, and he, I think he does it very well. So he's made a big muff with a bunch of stuff on it, but no digital screens, nothing like that. It's all rotary controls. He put three individual big muff voicings based on three big muffs that he has. Well, two big muffs, and I think one's the uh, the Red Army Overdrive. But those are the the three voicings. Are all inspired by those. They don't say that those are the names. It's called like tight, vintage, and heavy. But you know, you can sort of guess what what they are. And then you know, it's it has. Um, just a, a simple EQ bass and a treble and then a clean blend which is very very handy it means bass players can use this yeah. but also <laughs> also one of the biggest problems with big muffs is you lose a lot of articulation when you dime that gain control and you can bring that back in you can bring the attack back in with that clean control it's not too much you don't end up with this weird clean single on signal on top of anything in fact you can hardly hear it but it just brings the the focus of your notes back in there you can also choose where the eq sits if it's pre or post gain or blend it which is kind of nice that's just a nice way of creating a different sound and then as he always does he's added a second foot switch which gives you a mid focus and a and a mid the yeah mid sweep control and a mids control that you can uh, you know, sort of used to boost or cut your mids. And you can have that on a second foot switch, which essentially gives you a second drive tone on there. I know this that maybe doesn't sound that exciting. It's just another fuzz with these are all controls that other people have done, sure. But it sounds fantastic. The addition of mids is very good because I can make a mid-humped big muff which is exactly what I want. And I can also, maybe I'm coming at this from a bass player's angle, having that clean blend just means it sounds so good. But what I found is, bear in mind, I, I make two to three video demos for KMA a week that go on their Instagram. So I have to think of, I have to write a drum beat and then think of a guitar part and maybe a couple of guitar parts on there, like two to three times a week, which is a relative amount. And the thing I found about the Chief Disruptor is it's incredibly versatile. Like I can use it for everything from normal sort of light overdrive. I started using it for like little punk rocky riffs. It sounds great as a distortion pedal as well as doing the big fuzz thing. I know it's just an overdrive, guys, but it's great and it's versatile. And it's one of those things that if you had it on your board, I, I kind of feel like no matter what type of player you are, you'd find a place where this would sound excellent. 
And I think that's what Enrico does very well. And I mean, they're really five pedals this year and I'm only putting this one in. So it's not like I'm not corporate shilling this. I just really think this is a fantastic product. Well, you you've sold me on it. I'm interested. <laughs> Color me interested. There, well, there you go. I'll, I'll send one to you. But it's, uh, it, is, it is very, very good. I do like the Chief Disruptor. Okay, well, that's, that's me. That's, that's one of my picks. Matt Knight, over to you. Back to me. Um, back to me. Where do I go? I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the MXR Duke of Tone. And I'm going to go with Duke of Tone for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's a very, very good pedal. Um, two, I think it was a very good move from Analog Man to basically say, you know what? Four years is a very long time for people to wait for a product. Maybe we could uh, maybe we could make a a version with someone that we like that could give that sound to the masses. And I think it was kind of leaked in the summer and then came out, um, I think, what, in October, September, October? Maybe it was earlier than that. But I just, the thing I like about this is the Duke of Tone, again, it's nothing new in the sense that it was originally, I think, a Bluesbreaker clone. Um, That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Bluesbreaker clone in, in so, the, the general list of terms. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, and obviously modifications, changes, etc. And it ha- has gone on to become a legendary pedal. And kind of what we said, we were talking about. Um, I think we talked about it on an earlier episode of Gear of the Year. I think we were talking about it yesterday. It was like not many people have tried a a clon but then there's a clon pedal you know right. like mm-hmm. there's more clon clones than people have tried actual clons i think there's probably more copy you know and i, I think there's more people cloning a blues breaker pedal in the simplest sense than there is people who have probably tried an original one uh, and it's probably got to that point now with the king of tone so this is the mini pedal, the mini version of the King of Tone, which is a four-year waiting list. There's also the Prince of Tone, which is the single-channel version. And this is still a relatively through-hole component, you know, version of that that sounds basically identical. I think the main video that they put out was, here's all three from Analog Mic, we'll switch between them. And it's like, yeah, they sound exactly the same. And it's kind of gone... There's no point. I personally, unless you want two in one box, I can't see the point of you now going and buying a King of Tone. I can't see the point in you realistically waiting four years for one when you can go and spend £189 and buy the mini version of it right now. Sure, it hasn't necessarily reinvented the wheel, but I think it's given a lot of people a chance to buy a pedal that, to be honest, was unobtainium for most guitar players and lots of people yeah. talk about it like lots of people talk about the clon and go oh well i'm never going to be able to afford one i mean if you want to buy one second hand if you don't want to wait they're like seven eight hundred pounds now on reverb oh, so much it's you ridiculous. know it's a lot of money um and you know i guess when you've got like you know some of these kind of like cheap manufacturers amazon manufacturers doing like a blatant ripoff of those sort of things it's time to capture that market back and say look here's an affordable version for you um and that's what i like about it and it's a great sounding pedal and i've owned a king of tone and a prince of tone would i buy another one no i wouldn't purely because they're too they take too long they cost too much money um so i just think this was a great move i think it will be a very very popular pedal for years to come 
So yeah. Matt, Matt, maybe you can educate me a little bit because I, I, I could have figured this out via Google search, but I'd rather you told me. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the the big thing where I found that the Duke of Tone kind of was, uh, it didn't get my juices flowing all that much. Is a I'm not the biggest mini pedal guy. B yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. But, but B like what? Isn't the Prince of Tone the, the Prince of Tone exists? So what does this bring to the table that the Prince of Tone doesn't? It, I, I don't really fully follow that. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think they're almost exactly the same thing. So, so Prince of Tone, Prince of Tone has it is made in Japan. It's not made here in America yes, with, with mics. Yes, it's is it's the Japanese partner that also builds Mike's uh, delay pedals. Right, the Amazio. And, and so they're still available in semi limited quantities. They're still they're more much more available than the King of Tone. But they're you know you got to catch them on Tuesday. I may think it's Tuesday, maybe Wednesday when they go up for sale. They sell out immediately, so they don't have the production capability that a company like MXR does to make this like you can walk into a guitar center and buy this pedal okay but what's a prince of tone go for on reverb too much okay all right too too much i'll tell you it i i can i can pull it up right now um right yeah, now and, 250 and, it looks like there's the lowest price okay all right all right that 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 covers some of my questions thank you yeah and, pr- and the put- thing is mxr are just they make such quality pedals, and every time they team up with another manufacturer, they seem to make a a, a great limited edition product. You know, they, right. you could just they're, they're quality assured for a big brand. They for me, they they carry the same prestige that Boss do for like I know this is going to be done well. Right, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'm I'm a big fan of MXR. I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's about for me, it's about making a great pedal accessible to lots of people and letting them enjoy the sound and creating lots of music with it. Um, And, you know, it is its circuit in its own right that's been modified and changed from what it was originally. Um, I think interestingly as well with the Prince of Tone, if you order from their website, I think you can... No, I thought there were some modifications you can make. It's only the modifications you can make to the King of Tone. But interestingly, yeah, they're $148 if you buy it from them. Um, But you can only buy one per day, and it's every Wednesday, uh, as you said. And if you live in the UK, you have to spend over $180 to make it worthwhile. So I think they're almost impossible to get in the UK uh, or in Europe, for that matter, because there's no dealers. So I think, again, it's just about making it widely available to more people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, a super cool product, like a great drive pedal by a great company with a great story behind it. This is very cool. The Duke of Tone has also been very popular with our listeners. I, I, I think it's going to be a winner. Philip, what have you got? So I just a, a real quick add-on. I I had the Duke of Tone in my list. It was one of the, like, I don't know, 17 I had at some point. <laughs> um, I am at, The King of Tone is my favorite drive pedal. Um, I have bought three. I've been through the list three times. I'll have be through for my fourth time next year. It's actually my final time. Um, I still own two of them. Uh, I sold one a few years ago in some times of financial crunch and absolutely had to make some sacrifices. Um, I do not plan to ever sell another one. Uh, 
it's it's my favorite drive pedal of all time. And so I was really excited to see it be so available to everybody that wants it. And so it was on my list. And then even Tide announced the H90. And <laughs> I I love I had an H9. I loved the sounds of it. What I hated was one effect at a time. I didn't like the 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 interface with it. I didn't like how it was laid out. The H90 has fixed all of those things. It has right simultaneous effects it's even added more effects it's added more controllability on the surface of the pedal because i don't like having to use an app to control my pedals i hate it um you can still do that and and you probably still need to do that for some of the deep diving but i like the fact that there's some parameters i can affect on the surface much more easily um i i got when it launched i lost my mind um I have not played one yet. I don't need to. I know Eventide makes incredible products, and I know what the algorithms in the H9 sound like. I know it's amazing. It's very expensive. Um, how how much is the H90? It's nine hundred dollars. Mm. Yeah, is that more than the Meris LVX? It is. It is. Right. Yep. I think the and LVX is around six, if I remember correctly. No, which is still not not cheap. Obviously, H H90 does more. Um, simultaneous effects, and so a lot of people ran two of them on a pe- two H nines on a pedal board, so they yeah. have some. You know, they'd buy the Max, which was I don't know six hundred, six fifty, and then they'd buy a core unit, which was another four hundred. So it's still cheaper than that route that people were using anyway. Yeah. Um. So I'm really, really excited about it. I will own one at some point. Uh, I'm gonna have to get one. Um, but I'm super, super excited about it. I know it released late in the year, and so it gives it a little bit of a disadvantage for this kind of discussion. But I think it's going to be one of those that holds up as significant impact pedals. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's definitely super cool. Very important. The H9 had such an impact. Um, I, my my only criticism of it when I think, Matt, you and I spoke about it on the podcast was that I was like – is this has enough changed from when the H9 came out? Like when the H9 came out, it was ahead of the game. No one was doing anything like it, and now it was. You know, I was reading through the new sounds that it was adding, and I was like, these are all things that you can get on the Helix. I know, I know, it's totally different, but you know, they were sort of announcing them as brand new things that you could do, and it's right. Just it's it's not new anymore. It's it's it's. Their think, old hat is just what you're buying now is those sounds made by Eventide rather yeah. than them being brand new, cool, you know, ahead of the curve things. I think Which yeah. can can be worth something because they're, they they yeah. do a nice job with how they craft their algorithms. So Absolutely. maybe maybe yeah. maybe that is worth it. Absolutely. It's kind of a mute argument, isn't it? Is it? That's sort of like me saying, why does anyone buy overdrives when there's a perfectly good overdrive on the Zoom Exactly. <laughs> why, why are three-knob overdrives still the most common-selling pedals on the planet? Yeah. Good question. I mean, they are. Um, look, Mike Trombley over at Native Audio um, made incredible pedals, these really sophisticated delay and reverb and uh, phaser units and, and chorus and all this other stuff. And he put, he delayed, he didn't want to, he didn't put out a three knob overdrive forever. And then he put out the Kiyo and he told me that within a couple of months, it was his best selling pedal of all time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So people people like the same thing they've always had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that is true. Okay, okay. It's still very cool. That was a, it was a tiny niggly thing. I still yeah. think it might be gear of the year. I think the H90 is very important. It was just that I had to mention it. Okay, Blake, sure. uh, your your last pick. Okay, this one is easily my pick for possibly even gear of the year overall, honestly. And that is the Maris LVX. Uh, Not only do I love those people over there, they're phenomenal humans, but this thing totally blew me away once when I got it in. What is cool about it, and I think is not even necessarily communicated that great in all of the marketing materials, is like they call it a delay. But thinking of it as a delay almost sells it short. Yes, that is the core of what it does. But what I think people miss on the surface of it is that you can dive deep and create entire effects chains in this thing that that are very similar to what I do when I'm just making music for myself. I'll set up this ridiculous effects chain where I'm got stereo delays and then running out from the stereo delay, I'm running into a chorus on one side and an overdrive on the other. And that's going to two different reverbs and creating all these just insane layers of things. And I can do so much of that inside LVX that I actually was able to take it with me as the only pedal I brought plugged into my interface and was able to make a whole song while I was on this uh, Nashville trip by myself. I had to take an unexpected Nashville trip and I was like, I'm going to try to make a song with this before I leave because I'm just here in my hotel by myself. And I had one guitar plugged into my LVX, plugged into the interface and was able to create some really crazily lush, insane sounds that, that simply wouldn't have been possible with anything else. And that's what I like about the LVX. It's bringing sounds that you would normally require a huge pedal board to create, and you can dial it all in inside the unit, and it's got a really easy-to-navigate graphic uh, mode. They have a list mode and a graphic mode. List mode makes my brain just shut off, but the graphic mode is as easy to understand as putting together a pedal board. It's phenomenal. I, I can't believe how much I love this pedal. The LVX is insane. Okay, well, well, keeping on the LVX, Philip, you've also added the LVX as your third option. Yeah, I so I kept going back and forth on a bunch of things, and, and last night when I knew we were going to get ready to record this today, I decided to go through and look at a bunch of the stuff that I'd not given enough notice of, to be honest, right. um, because I'm such a simple delay person that's why i love the 202 i like tape delays period end of story bottom line that's what i love i have a real tape delay i have multiple tape delay facsimile pedals um working on a video series about do you need tape delay um yes you do by the way is the the the, (laughs) you you can skip the videos you're right you you do absolutely um but so the LVX sort of passed me by because it is, it's a complex unit. It does a lot more than I'm used to needing. And you know what? I went back and listened to stuff last night and I take it back. That thing's absolutely phenomenally incredible. Um, it, it does a lot of the things I like the microcosm for. And I know this is weird to say it does some of the things I like in the microcosm in a way that my brain can actually comprehend what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would second that. So I've got a microcosm and I love it, but I I find that box that as much as I've read the manual doing things, it's still, you either still get the same kind of 
it almost feels like 12 sets of the same sound (laughs) in in the microcosm sometimes. And I think, you know, Blake, you said it there, which is, I think they've done it a disservice by calling this a delay pedal. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else you would call it, to be fair, but I think, well, if you look at the microcosm, I think they did a great job of making it sound ethereal and mysterious. And I, you know, the big, the biggest problem I've got with this product is just the way it looks. I think it just looks, it totally undersells it and looks very boring. Uh, You know, you've got a great like screen on there, but everything else it's like, it doesn't say anything on that box. Like it doesn't draw you in with, to be honest, pretty lights and lots of, you know, little buttons (laughs) to press like the microcosm does. Right. Um, But for me, I'm like, actually, you know, what you've got in there, I think, is my you know it does everything that i bought a microcosm because it does sounds and has got algorithms in that you don't get out of the h9 and i love the h9 i've had one on my board for eight years you know and when you look at this you're like actually you've got you know preamps you know processing elements like granulized cassette poly pitch and then you've got elements from all of the other meris products polymoon the hedra the endro and the otto bit so for me, I'm like, actually, like you said, Blake, I'd rather have this and design my own effects chains mm-hmm. than actually have a microcosm, which was the biggest selling product pedal on, on Reverb. To me, this feels like it's got Last a lot year. more yeah. in it, I think. It's definitely got, a, you can make it as simple as you want it to be. You can make it very, very simple. Or you can make it extremely complex, and you can recall them instantly. It's it's just I I can't I can't say enough about it. Microcosm was my favorite p- pedal of all time, and still is up there. But right now, it's it's like the LVX. The things I can do with it, it's just I still am kind of blown away by how they were able to think of all this stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is all very positive talk about this pedal. I will admit that the Meris LVX for me came at a time when I was a bit oversaturated with seven, eight hundred pound, thousand pound effects pedals. I was a bit like, ah, oh, just it's another what, another reverb and delay that costs bucket loads of money and does everything. And really, you know, my my favorite delay is probably the DM2. You know, it, it, it's. I, I just need something as from a personal perspective. I don't care about all this stuff because you never use it outside of the bedroom. You know that that sounded that sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I turn on my uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, but, I do love this pedal quite a bit. So yeah, just <laughs> not that much. <laughs> but I'll, but this I'll just is, leave it at that. This is kind of convincing me. I I think you know maybe it, it is a really important thing, and it does a a whole bunch more. It does so much, and it is a great next step um, that will be hard to to match by anyone. And Meris do make incredible pedals, and the fact that they've brought so many of their other pedals together in this is very cool. Matt Knight, it's uh, you've got the last one, and then we're going to start deliberating. Yes. So I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a boss product. <laughs> and uh, I put this down and everyone else mentioned the other one. But I think this is worth a mention because it is just one of the great forgotten sounds. I think in some ways, you know, the boss DS1W was a 
distortion so there was a version of the ds1 and i think it's easy to forget that everyone this is actually a pedal where everyone's had a ds1 like most people's first pedals was a ds1 you know they were i remember when i first started playing guitar they were like 50 quid you know they were the cheapest distortion pedal you could buy pretty much they, apart they from some of those little, maybe yeah maybe even maybe even that but you know apart from maybe some of the down electro pedals they were like the cheapest distortion pedal guy that said distortion on it but i think because of that so many people bought them and then especially people of like our age and generation of guitar players then kind of that boutique boom happened everyone went oh i can't play a boss pedal i can't play a boss pedal you know so i think that that sound was was forgotten in some ways and i think Rex Shaw did a great video which is like you know sort of and i think pete thorne did the same thing it's like i never you know i've never really used one because everyone sort of had one as their first pedal so to come back and do a ds1 and w and revisit that sound and go here's the classic ds1 and then here's the ds1 if we basically took that same concept and sound and did it today and what would we do and i think the great thing that people don't realize is that tone control about how it you know it's not just a simple light or dark it you know it changes a couple of different things you know as you turn it up you know the bases dip but you're getting more treble and vice versa and it's just you know that pedal came out 41 years ago and it's just it's mad to think that you know if the original one we sold 1.5 million and now we're at the ds1w and you know and i just think it's a great great version of of um of that product yeah. and to me it it kind of adds an element that just never existed on the original but there's still the original there if you want it but this one really felt like this was the wilder pedal that people have been asking for a long, this for a long time this is distortion this is the distortion but i mean pedal. yeah basically this is distortion yep. um and i think that's and it's crazy and and i think it took this kind of pedal to remind people that that is distortion and it sounds really good and i love the ds1 and this one just sounds even better i think I, the uh, ds1 is extremely underrated because of what you just said it's everyone's yeah, first yeah. pedal it's so ubiquitous blah 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 but like plug in a ds1 and really dial it in i haven't played the waza yet but even just a classic ds1 and just really get it dialed in it's like, hey, I'm Kurt Cobain now. This sounds this sounds great. It sounds awesome. So, also, plug it into an amp that's already on the edge of breakup, mm-hmm. and please stop thinking of that tone control like you need to start at noon. No, or above. Don't no, do that. don't even go past noon. To be honest, right? Like, don't no, even put do it, it. At nine o'clock, and you're in happy places. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is the thing that you know everyone remembers or knows. Obviously, boss images. Everything's at twelve o'clock. You know, straight up, and that's that's a design choice because actually that's the starting place the engineers went we're going to make sure that that sounds good so then if you start there you know you're in a happy place and you can go on from there so but i think you're right i think it it, despite selling 1.5 million i think it's underrated so many people bought it because it was at a great price point yeah yeah but moved on when other things, you know... Yeah, we, people we just assumed to, it was bad because it was affordable. I think the mm. thing is, is we all have to admit that we buy expensive things because there's expensive pedals out there and why not? You know, 100%. if you can afford it, you're just going, <laughs> I might as well buy an expensive pedal because 
it's expensive. Um, I, um, I I was late to the DS One game actually, and I loved it when I got it because I think it was I, it wasn't my first pedal. I never got one. Maybe maybe because I was a bass player first, it just wasn't a thing to appeal to me. But the first one I got was when uh, when we worked at at GAC and Boss introduced this like a. Uh, this point system. So you know, if you if you sold a boss pedal, you could register points on their on their like intranet thing, and that that you know, and, and that it was you you could get points and put it towards purchases. So it encouraged you to sell boss products. But they also had videos that you could watch that got you points. And I worked out that if I watched every single video, it was enough points to buy a DS One. So I didn't work that week. I sat there at work <laughs> and I watched every boss video. Got enough points. Got myself a DS One, and it's great. I love it. I've I've been through several DS Ones because there was a time when I could walk into almost any uh, pawn shop, um, or I forget what y'all call those in the UK, but um, uh, walk into any cash pawn converters. shop, and, cash converter, that's it, and find a twenty dollar DS One. Oh. And I miss I'd those play, days. Yeah, I'd play it for a little while, move it on. Actually, a couple of years ago, I went, I was on a search for again for another DS One just to play it again. Um, and went on Reverb, searched DS1, saw one, and I was like, that doesn't look right. Is that? And I bought it, and it got shipped to my house, and it was a Keeley modded DS1 yeah. that I bought for $40. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is very good. It is. Um, they are so good. It is just... Um... Yeah, what what an absolutely classic pedal, and and you know we would be silly of us to to not uh, acknowledge how important the DS One W is after the DS One comes out, gentlemen. We are we are running out of time, so we're gonna have to. We need to deliberate, yes. um, and I need to pour my Guinness on the floor. <coughs> right, damn it. Okay, we need to uh, <laughs> we need to we need to deliberate. Um, so. We've got a few things, so let's look at the the pedals that are obviously going to make it in there. We have three votes for the RE two hundred two, and none of those are from Matt. So I think it's it's <laughs> it's safe to say that the RE two hundred two is definitely going to make its way into the uh, into the top three. Absolutely, that's a yep, very strong 100%. turnout. Now, other things that have other things that have been popular, we've got the. Um, I guess the Duke of Tone, the Meris LVX. The Meris LVX um, also has two votes. So that kind of gets the Meris in there potentially. And then I guess really, uh, I guess we're looking at Habit, DS1W, um, Duke of Tone... Uh, how are I people think, feeling? We've got we, we've got to basically move some some votes around basically well, to get right, that third one in. There. I I I'm quite happy to take off the habit and go to the Meris Cell VX. Well, that that, that um, which Mer- doesn't Mer- solve a lot. No, but it, it doesn't does solve anything. <laughs> but, but, it, but it does mean that we've got two products with two two votes. And to be three honest, votes. I would have put. Uh, three votes. I would have put RE202, but I saw that other people were probably going to put that. <laughs> ah, and I did put... I, did put- I, I'll, I'll, I have been convinced by... I, I was actually going to really argue against this, but actually you guys have convinced me. I'm I'm going to move one over to check a box in the Duke of Tone because right. I, I, okay. I was thinking, nah, like I can just get a Prince of Tone, but 
the wide availability versus I thought the Prince of Tone honestly was a little bit easier to get than it is. Not that it's horrible, no, but it's, it's, it's better it's, than the King of Tone. Yeah, but it's not as easy as walking into a random store and finding it, you know. Exactly. So, I'm going to go ahead and say the Duke of Tone is great because even though I haven't played it, I've played a King of Tone and I really like it a lot. Um getting that sound in the hands of more people, you guys you guys won me over with that one. You really did. Okay, okay. Well, that would put the RE202, the Meris, and the Duke of Tone in three in, in, in the top three. The pedal that I feel is a potential that could have got in there is the Eventide H90. I do think that's a great pedal that it's a shame for us to miss out. But I, I do I, love it, I, but I, I also think that it's just, like kind of like you said, Joe, it's, it's, it's incredible. The, H, the H9, there's no doubt that that is one of the most important pedals ever made. The H90 feels like an awesome pedal without having played one. Granted, yeah. I have not played one. But it feels like an awesome pedal, but it's like, man, yeah. when you compare it to like the LVX for me, I'm like, well, there isn't, there aren't new sounds I'm going to find in the H90. There's new sounds in the LVX, and it's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I th- the, mm. my opinion of the H90 is a bit like and I think American consoles happen the same I don't know if you had some slightly different names but the Sega Mega Drive that was like the biggest thing and then Sony brought out the PlayStation and and Sega were like how are we going to deal with this we'll make the Mega Drive CD I and it was the, like yeah I know what you're talking about and it was yeah. like an adaption yeah. thing to the Mega Drive. It wasn't a new console. It was then yamming on something extra to try and bring it up to speed. <coughs> and the H90, it's maybe I'm being slightly harsh, but I wanted more from the H90. I wanted a brand new thing, not an expansion of an existing thing. For, for think, you Americans, by the way, that's the Sega Genesis. I thought it had a different name. Yes, sorry. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, you might be being slightly harsh on that, Joe. Uh, but I think as well, they don't need to... I don't think they need to do any more to the H9 because it's still yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing product. That is fair. You're right. That is fair. But I think there's so much more in it than most units. Yeah. Yes. And I think there yeah. has been for a long time. I think to to your point, Philip, I think people were already buying the Max and the Core. Right. You know, they were already buying two. And I think it's just like, actually, here's a cheaper way of you having both and having all the algorithms. So I just, I don't think they needed to, you know, the the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's like, you just don't need to fix it. But I think what the LVX has done is gone, well, here's a bunch of great stuff that we also make and let's put it in one box, but do it slightly differently. Um, And I think the biggest flaw with that, as I said, with the LVX is, is purely... Aesthetic looks and theme. marketing. I, yeah. I think they've just not done a great job of telling people about it in the right way. I um I think more importantly than this, than any of that, is why was it called the Genesis and why was it called the Megatron? <laughs> like, I don't understand. That's, why, that's why another did, podcast, Joe. That's why did podcast. we get different names for that? That doesn't make sense. We we it's but we both speak English. There's not even like you have to respell Genesis. It's, well, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, there, could, there could have been an American trademark around the term Mega drive that did not allow uh, maybe them to that use was it. it it's um being slightly into retro consoles quite often you've got sega japan or like nintendo mm. japan and then you also have like 
Nintendo America, and basically two separate companies that could do their own thing, which is why you've got oh. the Super Famicom and the Super Nintendo. Um, it oh, was literally just re- it was just renaming it purely for the sake of selling better in North America versus. I see. I see. Just in like Japan. in the same way, I guess that General Motors is General Motors in America, is Holden in Australia, is Vauxhall in the UK, and is Opel in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's to have yeah. a name but- that's that's more appealing to the area. Which, but I don't not know why same... Mega Drive was more appealing to us. But... <laughs> not, not, not the same story as Burger King, where in Australia it's called Hungry Jacks. It's purely because there's, <laughs> there's another Burger King in Australia. <laughs> I want to try the Australian Burger King because the, the American one kind of sucks. Um... Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, right. So we we are settled on the Boss RE202, the Meris LVX, and the MXR Duke Tone. Guys, this is a great top three. There's I a think really strong so. top three. Yeah. Well, all we've got to do now is choose the order. So, uh, so we'll take it, Matt. How do you want to? How do you want to score these? Three points for your for your winner. Two points for second place. One point for third. I. Well, I'm going to put the winner for me as the two o two. Right. Um, because I've got one on my pedal board, and I abs- I do absolutely love it. And one of the coolest things that we haven't talked about, which I absolutely love, is that because you've got presets on there, you've got true spillover between presets. That is so fun. So oh, you've effectively so got two in one box because right. you can have like a super like loads of feedback version go to the next preset and it goes to the next preset you've got the slapback but you've got all the feedback and everything from the other model so i think that is something that just nothing else really does on the market so i love it on my pedal board i've got to get one of those i'm doing that today i'm sure Um, we'll we'll work something out if we ever if we ever get more stock um (laughs) i think it's been sold out for a very long time um so yeah i'm gonna go re202 meris at two points, and then Duke of Tone at one point, I think. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. Yeah. And um, what? Uh, what about? Uh, what about you, Philip? Uh, I am going to also put the two hundred two as my number one pick. Uh, I just, it, I'm not going to wax poetic about it. It's we've said enough. It's it's an incredible unit. It was obviously something people had demanded for a long time. Um, Maybe actually they demanded the RE2 more, but then you put this out too, and they're like, oh, that's nice, but whoa. Uh, kind of <laughs> I mean, that's, that was my reaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, cool, the thing we've been asking for, but this. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I didn't know I needed. Exactly. Um, but then I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the Duke of Tone as my second pick just because I love the King of Tone so much. And yeah. Mike is just one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. I've had him on the podcast, and he's just just a super wonderful dude. It's definitely the uh, right decision for you, I think, having it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's me. It's very me. And then I'm gonna put the Maris as my number three. Okay, cool. Blake, how are you scoring things? Yeah, I mean, you really can't lose with this, honestly. No. So uh, I'm I'm going Maris uh, as as my top with three points because right. of all the reasons I stated. I I just absolutely love it so much. Uh, the two o two. Is honestly very close. Uh, it it does it does things that the Maris doesn't do, obviously, but it does just those things, you know. And um, I I absolutely love it so much. The, the more we've talked about it, the I almost forgot how much I just how much of a just a big idiot the two hundred two turned me into while I was playing it. I just love it so much. I was just like grinning like a schoolboy. It's just phenomenal. So I'll give that to, and the Duke of Tone won for all the aforementioned reasons. 
I see. Okay, wonderful. Well, I uh, I'm going to. Uh, mimic Matt's scoring. So the RE202 is number one for me, I think. You know, I, I don't think we've done a category where three people have selected the same first thing, have we? Uh, I'm looking back through. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's very cool. It's obviously going to win. Uh, I'm putting the Meris in second, even though I guess it wasn't necessarily for me. I have to appreciate how excited everyone else is about it and, and really just what a wonderful product it is. And actually, to be honest, in comparison to a lot of the other products doing this sort of thing, reasonably priced, for, you know, in comparison. I'm in saying, comparison. I'm right. not saying that it's yeah, an I affordable so. pedal. And the Duke of Tone um, is in, in third place which is, I was going to say it was the only pedal I'd buy, but obviously I'm going to get a 202, so, so not, uh, not the case. But uh, an, an incredibly good drive and, and wonderful. And I love it when MXR do these things. This, for me, is almost, it, MXR getting on board is almost more important than, you know, it, it being the, the king of tone. Just every time MXR team up with someone, they make a mass-produced version of something amazing. Like, sometimes they don't even make it mainstream. Like, the bass distortion by MXR, they teamed up with Fuzzrocious for mm-hmm. that. Oh, so that, good, too. That's so, yeah. and it's like, they don't even advertise that, but that's like a Fuzzrocious design pedal. They're so cool. For yeah, a I big mean, company, they really care about the little builders, and I love that about MXR. Well, look, they what they did with... Uh, uh paul cochran with the tim the timmy yeah uh they've got the they've got their clone style circuit in the sugar drive they've got you know they're making these things available yeah yeah a great company making great products and the duke of tone is absolutely tip top well that does give us a definitive final list in third place it would put the mxr duke of tone with five points um, and then the Meris LVX in second with eight, but absolutely, uh, absolutely steaming ahead. I think every other category is one by one point, but this obviously by more. With 11 points, the Boss RE202. How do we feel about that, everyone? That would be our gear of the year for effects pedals. That's, that, that sounds like a great I feel like this, that was massively more cordial than I expected it to be. Right. <laughs> effects always is, because we all love effects, so... Nice and easy. Actually, that was that was way more streamlined than I expected, given that it was the largest list we were starting from. Yeah, I think yeah. that's always the thing. Effects, there's just so much. Well, we've talked about all of these things throughout the year on the Kitano's podcast and various of our own podcasts, and of course, like I think it's just one of those things. It's like there's just too much to pick from when it comes to effects. The shortlist even didn't cover everything that's come out this year, yeah. uh-huh. and I think there's things that have come out even since we put that list together. <laughs> so it's um, yeah, but I, I feel that's a strong a strong three a strong list. So there we are, dear listener, gear of the year the. Best pedal, according to us, made in 2022 is the Boss RE202. Another victory for you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking baby. forward to the flack I'll get for that. Uh, oh, yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah, here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> for the record, oh, well. I said it first. <laughs> That's true. There you go. That is true. That is true. Well, there you go, dear listener. There you have it. Um, thank you very much for tuning in to the third episode of Gear of the Year. We're going to be back tomorrow with the final of Gear of the Year, where we're going to be deciding what is the best product overall of 2020-2022. The contenders will be the Boss RE202, the Meris LVX, the MXR Duke of Tone, the Blackstar St. James EL34 Head, the Victory V4. I can't remember how we decided to slice that. Was it the Jack or all of them? It doesn't really matter. I think we went with the Jack, yeah. 
Oh, yes, the, the jack. Uh, sorry, the uh, PRS HDRX, a second inclusion from PRS, unheard of on this podcast with the PRS SE Silver Sky, the Fender American Vintage 61, Stratocaster, and the Eastman Juliet. That is what we're going to be talking about. So do join us tomorrow for that. Thank you very much for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds and the Tone Mob and the 40 Watt Podcast. Farewell. Goodbye. Later. Bye, all. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.